The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up. Beloved, we welcome you to this service of ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered for our gathered congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. Today, we welcome you to the service of the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. The table is open to all of whatever age and station those listening from afar may request communion by, in the home by calling the church office. On this first Sunday, we especially commend to you the ministry of Marsh Chapel. We invite those so moved to identify as chapter members. We commend to you the practice of disciplined generosity, either to begin or continue such a practice. And we commend to you selections and decisions about your own personal forms of ministry in our midst. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
we pray. O God, whose glory it is always to have mercy, be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways, and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word, Jesus Christ, your Son, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. A lesson from the book of Genesis, chapter 17, verses 1 through 7 and 15 and 16. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she will give rise to nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray responsively verses from Psalm 22 with the antiphon. the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation, my vows I will pay before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. To him, indeed, shall all who sleep in the earth bow down. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, and I shall live for him. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying that he has done it. And now, beloved, rise up in body as you are able, but certainly in heart, for the singing of the Gloria Deo and the reading of the Gospel. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark, chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. Then he began teaching them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering 
and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days, rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Howard Thurman, at home in Daytona Beach, following a night walk, wrote, The ocean and the night surrounded my little life with a reassurance that could not be affronted by any human behavior. The ocean at night gave me a sense of timelessness, of existing beyond the ebb and flow of circumstance. Death, I felt, would be a small thing in the sweep of that natural embrace. Together, we are on a journey here in Marsh Chapel and across New England and around the globe, a pilgrimage, an uphill climb for this season of preparation. We're moving together, are we not? From sensation to reflection. So this Monday past, you arose and noted in your journal the old wisdom saying, from now on, wherever you are, be there. And Tuesday, you arose and said, before I check my Facebook, I am going to face my checkbook. And Wednesday, you gave order to your communications, reminding yourself to, rem to reply to voice communication in one day, to ele electronic in three days, and to written in seven days at least. And Thursday, you made further preparation to step up, step by step, toward the fully human being, from sensation to reflection, from action to awareness. So when you received a communication from a social network, you responded by text, and to a text you responded by email, and to an email you responded by voicemail, and to voice you responded by a written letter, and to a written letter you went and said, thank you, it's good to see you. Hello again, hello, it's good to say hello. I think about you all the time. Hello, we are moving this land. We are sustained 
All these days, now Friday, you arose and decided to compose all your responses to the non-emergency communications on one quiet morning when you could compose with care. And Saturday, you reminded yourself, I may use many of these new forms, but I should remember that they are, many of them, the electronic means in any case, indelible, international, irretrievable, eternal. And what I want to see on the Boston Globe front page or what I want to read chiseled in my tombstone, I may happily easily placed there. But we didn't get to Sunday. No one asked. So here we are, Sunday morning. This is a time of undulating grace. It's a time when we receive the old word is the justifying grace of God, the prevenient grace of God preparing us, as we saw a month ago, and the sustaining grace of God teaching us, as we shall see a month hence. But today that convincing personal, justifying grace in trouble, grace in connection, grace in humility, grace in abandon. Our scripture, caringly read, reminds us of struggle in life, that it's more than what my aunt used to say, that into each life a little rain must fall. It's more even what, than what the apostle Paul taught that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint. It's more than the daily uh, struggle we face as we get ready for Sunday morning. It's kind of a response to an altar call in our time and space, simply to arise and to attire oneself, and a response more so to make your way to a listening posture by radio, and more of a response even so, an altar call response to come on Sunday morning in our time and culture, and even so and more so to receive today the bread and cup. Ye that do truly and earnestly repent of your sin and are in love and charity with your neighbors and intend to lead a new life following the commandments of God, take this sacrament to your comfort. This scripture, embedded in the memory of Mark's church, Mark writing in the year 70, 40 years following the events of Golgotha, the life and death and destiny of the Christ, remembers a rebuke delivered from Jesus to Peter. The church would have had no self-serving reason to remember such a harsh word. You can take it as certain that today, 2,000 years hence, we hear the earthly voice of Jesus of Nazareth to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Mark in the year 70 recalls such a teaching because his church, we might extend it to the church of all time, bears well a cautionary word not to forget the cruciform character of divine love. The church is ever tempted to avoid the starkness of the cross. Now there are two houses of interpretation like our siblings in the Jewish community. We have at least two views, not here the view of Hillel and Shammai, but the view of Mark that comes from the moderate critics and that from the critical moderates. These are not people 
long ago and far away, they are scholars in our midst. The chief voice of the moderate critics was our predecessor in our pulpit in Rochester, Ted Whedon. And the chief spokesperson of the critical moderates was taught here, Joel Marcus, 10 years ago at the School of Theology. They differ about just how harsh and direct Jesus meant to be, get thee behind me, Satan, for the critics with whom I side. This is a time in Mark when there is a certain memory of the disciples which Mark is rejecting. Real life involves struggle. Real love involves sacrifice. Real divine care involves giving, he reminds his community. And the, the, the critical moderates might agree in part, but would say something as Marcus does of this passage. At least he said, get thee behind me, Satan. He didn't say, get thee away from me, Satan. There's a moment of learning there. Sounds like spe special pleading to me. Both would agree, this from the voice of Paul Tillich, that the church is always both a representation and a distortion of the divine. And our distortion is magnified when we lose a capacity to face the hurt and harm and struggle and trouble in life and to have empathy for those about us who so, who so do struggle. When you ask people, and it is a privilege to engage in personal conversation about faith, whence your faith, almost invariably the response is some version of, I was in a mess. I was in the thicket of a real trouble and by God's grace. Grace in trouble is justifying grace. The scripture has led us to 2,000 years of tradition when we enter this Gothic nave with these conic stained glass windows and a divided chancel and a robed choir and an historic liturgy. We are reminded of our tradition as well, that which carries us. You might call it an undulating grace day by day here at Boston University as we think in this Lenten season together about faith and technology. We're moving from sensation to reflection. We can draw on our own history. Why, there's an era and epoch in each of the histories of the 10 presidents of the university. You well know their names from, the 18, from 1869 on. Presidents Warren and Huntington and Merlin and Marsh and Case and Chris Janer and Silber and Wessling and Cobanian and Brown. Every one of them had those eras had something to offer to help us develop a faith amenable to culture and a culture amenable to faith. Faith will not be able fully to grow without the sunlight, nutrients, and water of a nourishing culture. In the early 1870s, there was a professor, perhaps you remember his name, his, by the name of Alexander Graham Bell, who was working in his early 20s on the development of a new technology, a form of connection by voice. These, in our own day, these wondrous new 
global technologies make space for magnificent connection. One early such form was developed right here, blocks away, when Bell and his assistant, Thomas Watson, another interesting name, began to convey voice over wire. Our tradition is a part of that attempt to guide us in the emergence of new technology. In our time, we shall need to find more of a voice when the newer forms hurt and harm, as they do, to say this simple four-letter word, ouch, to express the hurt that can come by accident, or in some cases more than accident, with the newer technologies. All of these provide, from the invention of, uh, of Bell of the telephone on, provide a capacity, a potential for the connection that is so wonderful. Grace in a moment of connection is justifying grace as well. Grace approaches others of different temperament, not so much through scripture or tradition, but through the reason, through the mind. How I miss that unorthodox, faithful voice of Baklav Havel, now three months dead, thinking of his reasoned leadership in another era and place, saying, among other things, the more we de did, the more we were able to do. The more we were able to do, the more we did. Such a Lenten journey saying. Saying also, you remember him best, perhaps, for his statement that hope is not the conviction that things will turn out well. Hope is the certainty that something makes sense regardless of how it turns out. The mind guides us to the limits of our capacity. We recognize in this season of discipline that the greatest gifts we receive in life are not our own to achieve or construct. To the extent that we have them, we receive, receive them as gifts. The breath of life itself, a capacity and fullness and friendship, the joy of the gift of faith. Faith is a gift. The promise and the capacity for love. The hope, the eternal promise of hope of heaven. All of these are well beyond our capacity, our mindful, reasoned capacity to develop. They are gifts we receive as we come down the slate sawdust trail to receive bread and cup this morning. The reason, too, provides us with justifying grace, especially when we come to its threshold, its limit. Isn't that what Immanuel Kant was trying to teach in his critique of pure reason? That the reason has its own limitation in its forms of inner and outer apprehension, space and time. It comes to a limit. And there we see Pascal. Le cœur a ses raisons que la raison ne comprend pas. The heart has its reasons that reason itself cannot attain. There's a capacity for humility in the best of the reason itself, but we warn one another. Intelligence 
unleavened by kindness, is dangerous. Grace is a sense of humility which brings a justifying grace. Oh, this morning, all of scripture and tradition and reason guide us to our own experience. Sometimes that's an experience of abandon, and it can happen right here in worship. You know that undulating power, say, when the organ is guiding us in the prelude, that undulating grace, say, when the choir is lifted in a great Kyrie, that undulating presence when the word of scripture or interpretation is coming to touch one or another with the gift of faith. For 2,000 years in different modes, the church has reminded itself and others that there do come moments when not in an individual, but in a personal way, that is, a personal way within the communion of faith, the gift of God's grace can be freshly, personally received, that the walk of faith can start with you today. It may take a little bit of abandon. Two weeks ago, we abandoned the Northeast and went to visit our youngest child in San Diego. He does not understand why people still live in snow and ice. We went with him to the Oceanside Pier and there saw Charlie the Brown Pelican. A couple from Pittsburgh were standing for a photograph, she with the camera, he with a Pittsburgh Steelers jacket, a big burly fellow. She was saying, move closer, move closer. And he moved a millimeter toward that long-beaked, small-eyed, strange-looking pelican. Move closer, she said. No, I won't, he replied. Click. The wave came in. The wave went out. The tide came in. The tide went out. The surfer went up. The surfer went down. The swimmer went up. The swimmer went down. For the last 10 winters of his life, my father, my mom and dad would go to Malibu to their sister, sister-in-law's home to do precisely nothing except to walk the beach and to sense that undulating grace. The tide goes in, the tide goes out. The water comes in, the water goes out. I understand it. I understand his discipline in March every year far better now. You know, teachers enjoy teaching many things, but there is one greatest of joys for any teacher, and that is not the teaching of the greatest and last, but the teaching of the first and best. If you're teaching a Boy Scout to tie knots, yes, you want to do the clothesline hitch and the, the bowline and the taut line hitch, but the joy comes with the square knot. If you're teaching students from Venezuela to speak English, the joy comes not with Milton and Shakespeare, as wonderful as they are, but with the alphabet and with explaining American idioms like, it's up to you and how that could possibly make any sense. When you're teaching Koine Greek, the joy comes not later in reading Colossians, but first in that first semester with a new configuration and alphabet and helping the students move over that crest of fear 
joy comes with that first moment of abandon. And when you're teaching swimming, joy comes not so much with the butterfly or the crawl or the side stroke. It comes from that moment when a child or an adult leaning into the water, maybe with a little coaching, puts her face straight down and lets the heels kick up. And then there is that simple moment of a prone float on which everything else is based. All analogies are imperfect. But floating and faith are not that far apart. As we come to this table of bread and cup, this table of presence and of thanksgiving and of memory, let us for the first time, or for the first time in a long time, or as a regular part of our journey in Lent, receive the justifying grace of God, grace in trouble, grace in connection, grace in humility, and grace even in abandon. Howard Thurman walking his home Daytona Beach and writing later, the ocean and the night surrounded my little life with a reassurance that could not be affronted by any human behavior. The ocean at night gave me a sense of timelessness, of existing beyond the ebb and flow of circumstance. Death, I felt, would be a small thing in the sweep of that natural embrace. Amen.
seated. Beloved, we draw to your attention the notices printed in our bulletin this day, and to these we add the following, especially for our first-time visitors. We welcome you to our service of worship. Please join the congregation in the use of the red pads that will come to you from the center aisle as we come to know each other and be able to call each other by name. In this season of Lent, we are celebrating the presence of students in our midst. Today, our students are particularly and warmly invited to join with the rest of the congregation in our monthly uh, covered dish luncheon in the uh, marsh room downstairs. We hope you will take a moment and enjoy a fine meal with us. We welcome and celebrate the presence of our celebrant today, our own Reverend Jennifer Quigley, who is celebrating the Eucharist in this space and time for the first time this morning, and we're grateful for her leadership. We invite your generous giving this day, either present with the ushers as they wait upon us or online through the website marshchapelbu.edu. As we are able, let us continue to worship God by presenting our tithes and our offerings.
gracious and loving God, we offer these gifts to you. Bless them and us to your service in the world. Amen. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. And also with you. Let us offer one another signs of God's peace. The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You brought all things into being and called them good. From the dust of the earth, you formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away, and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. When rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, you bore up the ark on the waters, saved Noah and his family, and made covenant with every living creature on earth. When you led your people to Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights, you gave us your commandments and made us your covenant people. When your people forsook your covenant, your prophet Elijah fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And on your holy mountain, he heard your still, small voice. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending is your son Jesus Christ when you gave him to save us from sin your spirit led him into the wilderness where he fasted 40 days and 40 nights to prepare for his ministry when he suffered and died on a cross for our sin 
you raised him to life, presented him alive to the apostles during 40 days, and exalted him at your right hand. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. Now, when we, your people, prepare for the yearly feast of Easter, you lead us to repentance for sin and the cleansing of our hearts, that during these 40 days of Lent, we may be gifted and graced to reaffirm the covenant you made with us through Christ. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. He gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was ended, he took the cup. He gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit in your holy church all honor and glory is yours almighty God now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now, with the confidence of children of God, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever.
Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen. <laughs> 